0: All right. So what we're going to do is we're going to head out to uh, to an area where uh, illegals are crossing the border. They're going under, under a canopy. They're just waiting there for us to come take them into custody. So when we get out there, um, we we know that there's bodies there right now. But this is going to be about, uh, about an hour and a half drive. We're hoping that there's still going to be bodies when we when we get there. Um, we're going to be monitoring everything, make sure. And if not, then we'll go to a different location. But what happens is is they'll just wait and then we're required to send our resources to take these individuals into custody. And when we we send our resources to take them into custody, it pulls our agents from doing patrol duties and it leaves sections of our border open. And when when the sections of our border are open, that's when the cartels are free to uh, cross their higher value products, whether that's cocaine, methamphetamine, um, fentanyl, uh, criminal aliens, aliens from special interest countries or the countries that we know want to do us harm. Um, You know that's when they're free to cross their uh, their higher value in fact when we get out there We're going to take you to a section of the border where because we just don't have anybody patrolling They're cutting the fence and they're taking out sections of our fence uh, Which then allows them to get their uh, their higher value products across so that's what we're going to go out and see today um, Give you an idea of just how vast it is um, how wide open it is and and basically how much the cartels are pretty much controlling um, sections of our border.
1: So how much of the trafficking is controlled directly by the cartels? Everything. Wow.
0: Everything. Nobody Nobody crosses. So w- when I first came in the patrol back in 1997, there were still a lot of mom and pop organizations um, that would do the smuggling and you know, people were able to, to do it themselves. Now everything is controlled by the cartels. Nobody crosses the border illegally unless the cartels allow it.
1: So is the Mexican government doing anything to no. to? The-
0: absolutely nothing and and they have no incentive i mean it's 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 funny when you when you look at the the cartels although they're an illegal business they are a business they they generate revenue and all of that revenue is going back into the mexican economy and so when you look at the billions of dollars that they're making um just on on human smuggling alone you're you're talking billions of dollars well that's money's going back into the into the economy then, of course, on top of that, you've got the drug smuggling and the revenue that's, that's going back in the economy. So the Mexican government has no incentive whatsoever to stop this. Um, they, they don't want to stop it. That's why they're not doing anything about
1: it. You mentioned a moment, again, a moment ago people coming in from special interest countries. Mm-hmm. How, how many people, I mean, do we have, even have an idea how many people are coming in from terror hotbeds? So, so the vast majority of those people are going to want to evade apprehension. They're not going to want to get
0: caught. Um, but we do still have a lot of people coming in from Uzbekistan, Afghanistan, um, Iraq, uh, Syria. We still have a good number uh, that, but by percentage, it's a low number compared to other countries. But it's still enough that it, it should give anybody pause about what's going on. And then on top of that, you have the ones that are getting what we call gotaways, the ones that are getting away. Um, we have a minimum. Of a thousand gotaways every single day, every single day, a minimum, Um, and so and again, because those people don't want to get caught, you have to ask yourself, well, who are they? Right? Where where are they coming from? Um, What are their intentions here in the United States? And we just have no idea.
1: What's the demographic breakdown of the people who are
0: who are crossing? So the vast majority right now are coming from. Oh, I I, sorry, shouldn't say vast majority. Majority are coming from Mexico, then Venezuela, Cuba, Haiti, um, Guatemala, El Salvador, uh, Honduras, um, the the typical countries that we have seen um, in in the past, but what we're seeing and what I'm hoping that you're gonna see out here is we have seen a huge uptick, huge uptick in the number of Chinese nationals, um, the number of of Eastern Europeans, and the number of people coming from African nations, Um, huge uptick.
1: In, in what we're seeing now. And how about men versus women in ages? So a, a
0: majority of the people that cross our border illegally, unlike what the mainstream media will tell you, these are not family units. A majority are single adults that are of military
1: age. So when they talk about unaccompanied minors, are they talking about 10-year-old kids, or are they talking about 16-year-old boys? 16,
0: so so we, we see a majority. If, if, if we deal with unaccompanied uh, minors, we're dealing with teenagers. That's, it's not, not two year olds, five year olds, 10 year olds, we do get them, that does happen. But a majority are, you know, the 16, 17. And the problem with that, the problem with that is there's no way for us to vet that they're actually that age. I mean, all we have to do is look at Florida. Um, uh, just a couple, I, I wanna say it was two years ago, um, um, we released an individual that claimed to be 17. Turns out he was 24 and committed murder in Florida, uh, murdered his foster father. But because we weren't able to uh, to verify the age, we had to take what he said at face value. Because at that point, the burden of proof is on us, and if we don't have proof to show that they're not 17, we have to treat them as if they are 17. So there's a lot of these. Th- there's a lot of these individuals that will come across that claim to be uh, teenagers. That I mean. They've got beards that are much more grown in the mind. (laughs) Um, But because we can't prove that they're not, we have to treat them as such.
1: Is there a fair bit of gang affiliation among them? Always, always. So we
0: used to have um, Nogales right here. Um, You know, when when they make their calls, we'll monitor their calls. And we were finding that a lot of these people were calling gang associates. and so, yeah, we, we, we get a lot of, of people that we believe are, are gang members. But again, burden of proof is on us. And because our hands are tied and we just, don't have, we just don't have the time to vet all of these people, so many fall through the cracks.
1: So you were mentioning a little bit earlier about the distribution of resources at the border? How many people are actually patrolling the areas that there, there really is nothing there? And how many people are being stuck at places where you'll suddenly see a wave? What, what, what is the normal distribution? What is that distribution right now? So
0: on, on a normal day, under a normal administration, you're, you're gonna see about 30% of our resources doing administrative duties, whether that's processing, um, whether that's detention security, transport, it's about 30% of our resources will we'll be doing administrative duties. Right now, uh, at any given time, 90% of our resources are doing administrative duties, while only 10% of our resources are patrolling. So we should, to, to be able to optimize uh, the number of our personnel that are actually patrolling the border, we should be deploying 70% to patrol the border. And right now, at any given time, it's 10%. Where we're gonna go, we're gonna be lucky. If we have ten percent of our resource control on the border,
1: so why is the Biden administration doing that? What's the purpose of putting so many people on administrative duty? Uh,
0: I mean, that's that's there's there's a lot of opinions out there. Um, I I personally believe if you look at uh, if you look at the White House, if you look at the political appointees, the original political appointees in DHS, now these are people that came from activist backgrounds. Um, these are people that want open borders, uh, you know, and why they want the open borders, we can all opine about that. Um, I personally believe that it's all about this woke culture, um, recognizing that that they don't want law enforcement. That's why they're they're attacking law enforcement. Uh, you know, you want to get rid of the bad law enforcement officers, get rid of them. We're all for that. I, the the people that want to work for with bad law enforcement officers or the good law enforcement, they they want to work with them less than anybody. Um, You know, we advocate getting rid of the bad apples, um, but they like to paint everybody with that same brush because they want to get rid of um, the rule of law, um, which then leads to, you know, the power that they that they want. The Democrats, it's all about power. And they the way that you stay in power is to get rid of the rule of law.
1: So walk me through the normal process when somebody either shows up at the border or shows up at a port of entry, and you guys have to get involved. What does that look like?
0: So we don't work at the ports of entry. There's there's two different agencies within CBP. Uh, there's there's three law enforcement agencies within CBP. Two main, and that's the Border Patrol. That's me. Um, and then you've got the Office of Field Operations. And those are the ones that work at the ports of entry. So we don't work at the ports of entry. We work between the ports of entry. Um, at the ports of entry, you have a lot of different uh, duties that, that take place. It's not just law enforcement duties. They facilitate travel and trade um, while also doing a law enforcement. We are strictly law enforcement. That's all we do. Um, so anything that we deal with is, is straight in illegal activity, wh- while they'll deal with both legal and illegal activity. Um, what happens is is when somebody crosses the border illegally, typically they're trying to evade apprehension. They don't want to be caught. They don't want to be seen. Um, and what our job is is to detect them and then to apprehend them as they're trying to, to get away. Um, right now what's taking place is these people are just crossing the border illegally, basically waving their hands in the air at our cameras, saying, hey, here I am, come get me. Um, knowing that they're going to be released. Um, And that's what we call catch and release. And that's what's driven all of this um, illegal immigration right now. So uh, typically speaking, what'll happen is, is these large groups will cross the border illegally. We'll deploy our resources to take them into custody. We'll take them back to our, our border patrol stations. We'll fingerprint them, see if they have any criminal records here in the United States. We also have access to Interpol, see if they have any Interpol hits but we do not have access to their criminal records in other countries, just don't have that access. Um, so if they have a criminal record here in the United States, we'll uh, we'll put them in prosecution proceedings. Um, if they don't have a criminal record here in the United States, we'll process them with what we call a notice to appear and we'll release them into the United States. With that notice to appear, they're supposed to show up to their court appearances, but they don't. Because the vast majority of these people that are claiming asylum, they don't have a legitimate claim. And the burden of proof is not on the government, in this case, to show that they don't have a claim. The burden of proof is on that individual to show that they have an asylum claim. And that bar is, is, is high and should be high. Um, and they can't do it. So what they do is once they're released into the United States, they disappear into what Obama termed the shadows of society. Um, and, and we never see them again. So. These people that have been released into the United States under President Biden, and we're talking about 5 million people that have been released under President Biden, they're never leaving this country, ever. Um, They're here to stay, uh, not because they're legal. It's because there's no resources to go find them. And even if you were able to track one or two down, then the court proceedings are going to take so long. And the administration recognizes this, and that's why they do it. it. Again, it's just chaos that they've cost.
1: So, on, on a day-to-day level, when you pick somebody up, where do you bring them to actually, quote-unquote, process them before we, you just release them? Into we the take interior? them back
0: to our Border Patrol stations. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's where we have our, uh, our holding cells. Um, that's where we have our computers to fingerprint, uh, do all the processing. We take them there. Um, once a determination has been made on what we're gonna do with them, uh, then we if they're going to be released, which 90% are being released, if we're going to release them uh, we release them to non-governmental organizations who are being funded by the federal government it's a, they're being funded in back channels but they are being funded by the federal government um, if they're going to be held in custody we'll then tra- will we'll then um, transfer custody over to ice um, ero enforcement removal office um, and then they'll be held by ice but a lot of those numbers even even that we transfer to ice they're being released from ICE's custody as well because ICE just doesn't have the bed space to hold them.
1: So when it comes to the, the statistic turned away at the border, mm-hmm. you see that a lot, and you saw it a lot under Obama particularly. The, the <laughs> idea that there was an arrest taking place and it was akin to... You know, an arrest being made, somebody be put, being put in detention and, and, and on the interior of the United States. They're treating that the same as somebody comes to the border and then they were turned away. What does it mean to turn somebody away at so the border?
0: So we, we call them turnbacks, and And those are individuals that make an illegal incursion into the United States. And then when we're trying to apprehend them, they will turn back and they will run back into Mexico. And and when I say that, it's literally, they will run back into Mexico. Um, that's what's called a turn back. Um, Then you've got another pathway of if we take somebody into custody, they're from Mexico, um, instead of taking, um, you know, an hour's worth of resources to process that individual, we'll give them what we call a voluntary return where we'll just take them right back to a port of entry and send them back into Mexico through a port of entry. Um, And then, of course, then, then there's the NTA processing. That's an individual that we take into custody. We process them with a notice to appear. That notice to appear can take anywhere between 45 minutes to three hours depending upon where you're from. And so if you think about the number of man hours that it's taken to process these people, you know, 8,000 apprehensions per day, the the man hours that that takes to process those individuals is, is astronomical.
1: Now, in order to claim asylum or refugee status, essentially, do they just say magic words? Is they it, do. It, they it, do. It's like they, Michael Scott walking into the office and saying, I declare bankruptcy.
0: All they have to do. The only thing they have to do is say, I fear going back to my country. They don't have to give a reason. Um, in the past, they had to give a reason. Um, now, all they have to do is say, the magic word is, I fear going back to my country. And once they say that, then they have to be processed for release.
1: So when it comes to something the media has paid a lot of attention to when it was Trump president, but not, not Biden, family separations, what, what are they talking about there?
0: So what happened was, was there was a, what, what we call the consequence delivery system. So somebody that crosses the border illegally, that is, that is an, it's an illegal act. So they can be prosecuted for that act. Um, that prosecution can be 10 days in jail, just depending upon what, uh, what an administrative judge determines. So if you prosecuted a, and let's say that you had uh, a father with a 14 year old child, and they make an illegal entry. We can't prosecute that 14 year old. That's the, our laws don't allow us to do that. Um, but we can prosecute the, uh, the father with, a, with a law that's called 13, 8 USC 1325. Um, entry without inspection. We prosecute that individual. That, that individual for that prosecution time will be taken away from that child. Once that, once that person serves the time, then that person is reunited with the child. What we saw under President Trump was a lot of these parents, so we saw a lot of crossings where people would claim to be family units, but they weren't family units. Um, they would use these children as a way to try to get released into the United States. Um, and so a lot of these, these they, they didn't claim their children again. Mm-hmm. After, after, the pro- after that process was over, they didn't claim those those children again. But make no mistake, even Jay Johnson, um, I I did a CNN interview, I want to say it was on Wolf Blitzer, and Jay Johnson was on directly before me on a a show before Wolf Blitzer, and he said, yeah, you know, family separations took place under Obama too, just not at the level that they saw it under Trump. Uh, When, if if you're a United States citizen, and you have a child, five year old, 10 year old, 14 year old, doesn't matter. And you commit a crime. When police take you into custody, they're going to separate you. That's what happens. You, you have to separate a minor from an adult, regardless if it's, regardless if it's a family member to go forward with a prosecution. Um, this just gained an awful lot of attention because of the children that were, uh, that were left that, that, Either they weren't claimed, or there were cases. There were cases, just like there've been cases under Biden, where DHS were not able to um, to find the, the the child or the the parent. Um, so that's what the family separation is.
1: So how has policy changed? You've been, you've been in doing this for. What twenty-five years mm-hmm. at this point? So, well, how has policy changed across the various administrations? Uh,
0: so we've uh, the the major policy changes came under under Trump. Well, I'm sorry. Let me let me take a step back. So what we saw is we saw a huge policy change under under Obama. Obama's first term, he was pretty good on border security. They, I cannot complain about President Obama under his first term. His second term, when he became a lame duck, when he didn't have to. Um, run again when he didn't have to campaign anymore, that's when we saw the true colors come out. Um, That's when we started to see the catch and release um, taking place at, at a level that we had never seen before. So what it is, is the government has what's called prosecutorial discretion. They can decide who they're gonna prosecute and who they're not gonna prosecute. They can also decide when they're going to prosecute these individuals. So, for instance, if you, if you commit a crime, say, uh, you rob a Target store, okay, and police arrest you, you'll be arraigned, and in your arraignment, you're going to be released pending your, your court case, okay? So, what, what the Obama administration did was they started releasing people in mass, something that we had never seen before. Um, and called it prosecutorial discretion, saying, "Well, we are going to put them in. Depo- we're we're going to put them in deportation proceedings. They will see a judge later on down the road. Um, and that's why we saw a huge increase in unaccompanied minors, family family units, um, and then, of course, the cartels exploited that with uh, uh, by crossing when when we didn't have our resources in the field. So that was one. That was a major policy change that we saw. Then when Trump came in, and and let's let's be honest." 2019 was a, was a pretty rough rough year. Um, when Trump came in, he didn't have the right people. He did get the right people in place shortly thereafter. Um, and he ended what we call catch and release. And the moment he ended catch and release, we saw a drop in illegal immigration of 45-year lows. Um, I'd never seen anything like it before as quickly as
1: before. and. and
0: I work with this, the administration on these
1: policies. And, catch and re, ending catch and release amount, to holding people in detention until they can or, be processed and deported, correct. Or having them
0: wait in Mexico pending their mm-hmm, asylum mm-hmm, proceeding. Mm-hmm. Um, now, the reason why that dropped illegal immigration is because people are not going to give thousands of dollars to the cartels just to be held in custody or to have to wait in Mexico pending their their proceeding because they know that they're not going to be able to prove that they have a legitimate asylum claim. And because they're not going to be able to prove that, they're going to stop coming. So right now, what they're doing is they're exploiting the loopholes in our immigration system. They're claiming asylum, don't have a legitimate claim, but nobody's going to hear that claim for years down the road, and that's when they disappear once they get released into the United States.
1: So you're talking about you know so Trump yeah. and and sort of the, the so what timeline. he did
0: was he ended catch and release. Mm-hmm. He ended it, um, and once catch and release ended. That's when we saw a huge drop in illegal immigration. Um, drug smuggling went down because we were able to go after the cartels. So we saw a huge drop in, uh, in the amount of drug smuggling that, w- that were taking place. Um, and and what's, what's funny, again, going back to the cartels as business, what they do is they watch the ebbs and flows of our politics. They know what the politics are here in the United States and they will exploit what is taking place. So then Biden comes in and he immediately, immediately, got rid of all of the effective border policies that Trump had. And from day one, we saw a huge spike in illegal immigration. Not only did we see a huge spike in illegal immigration, but we saw a huge spike in the in the amount of fentanyl that were on our streets. And the DEA has said that 95% of the fentanyl that we see on our streets is coming from Mexico. Um, so you're going to hear a lot of people, and, and this is going to be a, a liberal talking point. Um, they're going to say, well, the drugs are coming through the ports of entry. We seize more drugs at the ports of entry. Of course we seize more drugs at the ports of entry. That is a secure location. We can go through every single vehicle with a fine tooth comb if we want. But between the ports of entry, if you don't have any agents there, how are you going to detect it? How are you going to seize it? Right. So it's, it's, it's a complete, it's a talking point, well, more drugs are coming through the Ports of Entry because we seize more drugs at the Ports of Entry, yeah. We seize more drugs at the Ports of Entry because we have more personnel at the Ports right, of Right. It's the
1: drunk searching for the keys we, under the lamppost Exactly. That's all.
0: Yeah. Exactly. Or if, uh, if a tree falls in the forest and no one's around, it doesn't make a sound. Right. You know? If no one's around to see the drugs across the border, did it really cross? Right. Um, but we know that it manifests itself on the streets, and that's why we have. so. So under Trump, when we were able to go, when we were able to control illegal immigration, we were a- also able to go after the cartels. And if we can go after the cartels, we can save Americans' lives. But now, because illegal immigration is, is sky high, we just don't have the ability to go after the cartels, and that's why we see so, many, so, so much drugs on the streets today.
1: So what would it mean to go after the cartels from this side of the border? So for, from
0: this side, it's all about intel. It's all about having um, personnel available. Um, to respond to illegal incursions. If you don't have that personnel available, then, then they're free. It also is about Intel, but when Intel is strictly tied up dealing with illegal immigration rather than um, the, the human trafficking, and there, there's a huge difference between human trafficking and human smuggling. Um, human trafficking is once you get somebody into the United States, that transaction has not ended now that person goes into indentured servitude whether that's into the um, sex industry whether that's to the sweatshops until they pay their, their debt off that's trafficking human smuggling is when the transaction ends the moment they get into the united states or their, their final destination in the united states and so intel just doesn't have because we're dealing with so much um just illegal the sheer amount of illegal immigration Intel just isn't free to go and and, and try to monitor the cartels, um, go after their specific operations here in the United States. Um, I've testified before Congress on multiple occasions. Uh, Chief Patrol agents ha- have said many times that the cartels don't just operate in Mexico. They operate on this side of the border as well. And we have to go at, and we have to shut down their operations on this side of the border. Um, as we go up, as you see these mountains that we're coming up to right now, um, They have cartel members embedded in hiding locations in the hills to watch our movement. And they watch where we go. They're gonna know that we're on the border. When we're on the border, they're gonna know they're gonna know that we're there. Um, And they operate on this side and on the Mexican, they operate on our side of the border and they operate on the Mexican side of the border. And that's what we have to be able to go after. And in a normal time, what we'll do is we'll monitor the cartels on our side of the border and we'll send um, our what we what's equivalent to a police force SWAT team we'll send them in Black Hawks, and they will wow. drop down on these locations where they're watching us and we just haven't had those operations in two years now Wow, it just doesn't happen because we don't have the resources to do it so what's um, right there that um, that tower that you see right there that's what we call a remote video mm-hmm. surveillance tower um, there's several cameras on that tower, and those cameras will monitor this area. Those cameras will watch, and we, we've got we've got a number of we've got a number of infrastructure. Whether it's the wall, whether it's ground sensors, whether it's remote video of surveillance, whether it's drones, um, you know, there's there's a lot of different infrastructure that the technology that we have to detect. But right now, those cameras those cameras are good for only counting our gotaways. because we even if the cameras see. An In incursion, we just don't have the resources to respond to the incursion. So you're going to hear a lot of people say, well, let's throw more money at this issue. And, and I disagree with that 100%. That's, that's shifting the burden onto the taxpayer. We have the resources that we need. What we don't have is we don't have the policy. If we had the policy, we could control the border. We proved that under President Trump. Um, they just don't won't give us the policy that's necessary to secure the border. And so everybody's talking about throwing more resources, but that's just throwing money into a black hole. Because if you give us more resources, all that's going to do is mean that we're processing more people through. We process more people through. The cartels bring more people up. It
1: just does nothing. Exactly. I talked on the show today about this, the, the fact that there are basically two ways to to deal with the flood of illegal immigrants at the border, if you consider it like a hose. One is to actually stop the flow of the illegal immigration, and the other is to open the spigot. And, and what, they're, what they're doing is opening the spigot at this point. So what's the additional level of danger that you guys are having to experience being short-staffed?
0: Um, so this is, again, this is the brilliance of the cartels. Uh, the cartels understand uh, understand that if they harm one of us, that's going to bring media attention to the issue. And if media attention is got brought to the issue, then it makes it more difficult. So they really do not go after us that hard unless we come across a very big drug load. Then it becomes, uh, becomes very dangerous. But when we're dealing with illegal immigration, the cartels are pretty much hands-off when it comes to harming us. Now, every now and then, um, you'll get a smuggler that's, that's high and they'll start fighting with us, that does happen. Um, and, and every now and then a shooting will take place, but it doesn't happen as much as what people would think it does because it doesn't behoove the cartels to do it.
1: So there's been an enormous amount of focus on the border wall or the border fence. How much is that helpful in, in terms of fencing? How much should, should those resources be put to, to different use? So the, the border wall is extremely effective
0: when you're dealing with gotaways. The border wall does nothing for asylum because that border wall, and you're gonna see the wall um, today, that border wall is not built right on the the US-Mexico border. It's built with a little bit of a buffer inside the United States, generally speaking, three feet. Um, And so once somebody gets to the wall, they're actually in the United States. And our laws, all it does is require somebody to be in the United <laughs> so States to clean the and yellow asylum. Yeah, so yes. Yeah, so all <laughs> they do is walk in. Um, and the reason why the wall is not built right on the border is because of international treaties with Mexico. We have to clean, and and you can't go into Mexico to clean. Um, you know where where water will will wash trash and, and and debris up against the wall. We have to take care of all that because of international treaties. And so the wall is built actually off. Um, but even, even if the wall was built right on the, on the, on the border, um, once somebody starts to climb over that wall, it's not like I can climb up top and push them back down. Mm-hmm. I can't do that. Um, that would be a civil rights violation. And so, once they, basically once they hit the wall, all they have to do is say, asylum. And now I have to take that individual into custody and I have to process, again, it's the loopholes that are being exploited in our immigration system.
1: Wow. That's insane. So I was talking with Tim Kennedy, uh, the uh, former MMA fighter and special, uh his green, green Beret, and uh, he was talking about visiting the border and some of the stuff that he'd seen. And you can you talk about some of the sort of insanity you've seen at the at the border in terms of people trying to cross and all the rest?
0: Well, I, I mean, there's, <laughs> oh, I story after story after story. One one of the most thing, one of the things that disgusts me the most, is when we see people get left behind. So right now, I think it's like 49 degrees outside right now. Uh, fairly temperate climate, not not too cold, not too hot. But imagine this area in the summertime. You know, We're talking about 110, 115 degree heat. Um, if people cannot keep up, so when, when groups cross the border illegally and they're trying to evade apprehension, they're trying to get from point A to point B as quickly as they possibly can. Um, and so, in trying to get to point B, if people can't keep up with the group, the cartels will just leave them and they die. You know, and, and they don't care. They don't care. What's also disgusting is cartels will purposefully leave people as a distraction for us. We had a small infant that was left on a trail knowing that when we came across that infant, we were going to have to stop. And take that infant and and basically pull us off um, tracking that 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 group of of people that crossed the border illegally. The the problem with that is the way this infant was wrapped up and the way it was left. It looked like trash. And one of our ATVs came came within six inches of running over that baby. Oh my God! Um, because we couldn't tell that it was a baby and they will they will leave and and then the other part about it is 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 there's a danger of us running over that baby because we don't know it's a baby it just looks like a a a blanket on the ground but if we don't come across it because oftentimes we'll jump off the trail to try to get up ahead of them quicker and so we won't stay on the trail so if we didn't stay on that trail that baby would have been left there to die this is what this is these these cartels they do not care about human life absolutely do not care All they care about is generating profit. So the federal government claims the right to enforce all immigration laws. Um, They say that that states um, don't have the right, and that would include um, um, tribes or Indian (laughs) reservations. They don't have the right. So no, they can't. They can't prosecute somebody. Now Texas is challenging that. Texas just passed a series of laws that say that they do have the right. Um, and, and uh, the Obama, admi- I'm sorry, the Biden administration, just today filed a lawsuit against those um, those laws. And so, it'll be interesting to see what the Supreme Court.
1: Could yeah, write. I remember they did the same thing with uh, Jan Brewer, right? When Jan yep. Brewer SB was the, the governor of the area. Yep, yep. Uh, but Texas
0: wrote their laws differently. I mean, they, mm-hmm. they obviously- Knew what it yeah, had. They obviously looked at that, saw why, why the Supreme Court um, ruled against that, and they wrote it differently. I, I think there's a good chance that Texas prevails.
1: So what's been the impact on this area in general from illegal immigration, the local towns? I mean, how how is this area supposed to absorb this number of people coming across the border?
0: So this area has not been impacted greatly. Um, Tucson is a little bit different, but but this area right here, because the vast majority of these people right here are trying to evade apprehension. So Mm -hmm. they're trying to get from point A to point B as fast as possible, not get taken into custody. what we do, and, and and one of the reasons, again, one of the brilliance of the cartels, you're gonna notice just how remote this is, where we're gonna go to. Um, it's not like they're crossing people in Nogales. It's not like they're crossing people in um, right next to Sierra Vista or Douglas. They are purposefully going out to the most remote location. This is one of our checkpoints mm-hmm. um, that we're coming up to right now. They purpose, They are purposefully going out to one of the most remote locations on the entire border and they're crossing people there because they know that the amount of time that it takes for us to get our resources to that depletes the amount of people that we can have in the fields and then they they exploit those other areas where we had to pull resources out of the field so again they're they're very as far as tacticians go these people are brilliant Mm-hmm. In, in what they do. They, they know what to do, they know how to do it, but it still comes back down to policy. So to answer your question, this area has not been impacted very much. Um, Tucson hasn't been impacted very much because Tucson is, is, is such a large city, mm-hmm. and people, they move the people out so quickly. So the non-governmental organizations are moving the people out so quickly that there's just not, there's neg- negligible
1: impact on Tucson. So what's happening at a border enforcement checkpoint like that?
0: So this checkpoint right here, what we have is you, you have certain roads that go north and south. This road is going east and west, but there no, are no other roads that go north or south from this road. So any road that comes north or south, they're going to either have to come through that checkpoint or go through another checkpoint that's west of here. Mm-hmm. And so what that does is that helps us um, detect people that were able to evade our agents that were right on the border. So that's what we call a second tier um, of enforcement because it allows us to try to catch those people that might have gotten away from us but again those checkpoints are only good when people are trying to evade apprehension and as you saw the checkpoint was shut down Mm -hmm. um and the reason why the checkpoint is shut down is because we don't have the resources to manage just literally don't have the resources and and it's and i want to make this clear and it's not a resource issue it's a policy issue because the proper policy and we wouldn't we wouldn't have the the mass crush of illegal immigration and then we would have the resources necessary. So, but those checkpoints are also very, very good for uh, at um, seizing drugs, um, narcotics. Uh, I used to be a canine handler, um, worked extensively at the checkpoints. Uh, a lot of drugs go through those checkpoints
1: as well. So, how are are people crossing these in, by caravan on foot? Basically, mm-hmm. this area. Yep. Yep. Um, Yep, yeah, no, they don't, nobody drives them
0: across the border mm-hmm. um, unless you're trying to evade apprehension, but these caravans that wanna give up, that they, they just claim asylum knowing that they're going to be rewarded for violating our laws with the release, um, they all cross on foot.
1: So you were mentioning a little bit earlier that, that terrible story about the baby that they had abandoned to, to throw you guys off the trail. How often do you come across corpses out here doing what you're doing? All the time,
0: all the time. Um, I have come across uh, many corpses, um, it, it, it happens on a regular basis. I mean, I, mean, I don't, wanna, don't wanna make it seem like we, we, we find a corpse every day, but we find a lot more corpses than what we should.
1: So I'm sure I'm missing questions here. So if there's anything it, that, else uh, that you know, yeah, please yeah, like exactly. t- tell me stuff that I should know that I'm, that I'm missing here. Why do you think uh, Arizona doesn't get any attention that's always on Texas? <laughs>
0: uh, I think a lot of that has to do with what Governor Abbott's doing. Mm-hmm. Um, Governor Abbott drives attention. Um, He is the only border state governor as far as the southwest border goes. Uh, I'm sorry, Republican border state governor, um, California Democrat, Arizona Democrat, New Mexico Democrat. Um, And so they're not driving attention to the issue, whereas Governor Abbott is. Um, The other thing is, the other reason why um, Texas gets a majority of the attention is because the illegal immigration that we're seeing in Arizona is relatively new, whereas Texas, it's Texas has been ground zero since Biden came into office. Arizona has started to heat up within
1: the last year. Mm-hmm. It seems like it would be easier to cross the border over here than it would be to cross the border in Texas, given the river. It is.
0: It's, it's, it's much easier. But, you know, so what, what we deal with um, on the south side of the border is you've got, you've got different cartels. So in Texas... The Gulf Cartel, which drives all of the illegal immigration, controls all of the illegal immigration. What they, what their business model was based off of, was lower, lower cost, higher volume. And out here, the Sinaloa Cartel in Arizona, they always dealt in um, higher cost, lower volume, or people that wanted to evade apprehension. And so, what the the Sinaloa Cartel has recognized, um, how much the Gulf Cartel has been able to make off of higher volume, lower cost, and so they've also jumped into that as well. And so we didn't see asylum seekers out here because that wasn't the Sinaloa Cartel's um, business model. Now they've adopted that business model, and that's why we're seeing asylum seekers out here now too.
1: In terms of the drugs that you're seeing, so you mentioned fentanyl, what what percentage, how much of every different drug are you, are you seeing? So. In, in all honesty we don't seize very many drugs anymore
0: because we just don't have people in the field to, to do it um, what we go off of is we go off of the stats of other law enforcement um, you know Phoenix Police Department Los Angeles Police Department what are the drugs that they're seeing um, on the streets um, what are the costs of the drugs um, you know how, how is that fluctuating and that tells us how much um, is is you know how much is on the streets so we're, we're seeing a, a huge uptick in, in the amount of cocaine that is on the streets. We're seeing a huge uptick in the, the amount of fentanyl, um, obviously, on the streets. Uh, methamphetamine has, has remained about the same, uh, but we do see a, an awful lot of meth. Then, of course, you look at what the ports are seizing, and the ports have seen a huge uptick in cocaine uh, over the last year, year and a half.
1: What's the morale like with the officers?
0: Oh, <laughs> I've never seen morale lower in, in, in my 25 years, ever. Um, and and it comes it comes down to simply the vast majority of law enforcement we we got into law enforcement in the first place because we wanted to make a difference. We wanted to do something that we thought would make a di- that we thought would make a difference. Um, protecting people, serving people. That's that's what we wanted to do. Right now, we don't do the the joke is, is we're no longer the border patrol, we're the welcome patrol. And any time that that happens, you know that you're not able to do the job that you were supposed to do um, that is protecting the American people. And that's, it's completely demoralizing when that
1: happens. It is really amazing that, I mean, I've talked to Democrats who are down here, even Democrats down here are screaming at the federal government to, to do something. The federal government is doing nothing.
0: So the problem, though, is... and and i'll use johnson and adams as the uh i forget the mayor of, of denver his name um but he's just a newcomer um but johnson and adams they're not screaming at the federal government to shut down the border that's not what they're screaming about they're screaming at the federal government to give them more money that's what they're screaming about we don't have the resources to deal with these people when in reality if they really wanted to do something scream at the federal government scream at biden to actually implement the policies that are necessary. Look, nobody is against legal immigration. And I don't know of a Border Patrol agent that wants to send a legitimate asylum seeker back to their country. None of us want that. None of us want to send somebody back to their country that's gonna get murdered or tortured because of their religious um, affiliation, their political beliefs, or, or any of the other things that would qualify for asylum. None of us want that. But we also know that the vast, vast majority of these people do not have Illegitimate asylum claim. And so we want to be able to protect those that have a legitimate asylum claim while also being able to remove those that do not. And that's what the federal government isn't giving us. Um, The federal government could do an awful lot just through executive authority alone, um, but they won't do it. And so you hear right now, and and one of the things that, that just frustrates me so much about the mainstream media is, I couldn't care less if people agree with me or if they disagree with me, couldn't care less. What I care about is that the, the American people have the entire story, that they have everything and that they can then base their opinion off of all of the information. And that's what the mainstream media generally hides um, for, to drive a specific narrative. And we just want to have that honest conversation and then if we have that honest conversation then everybody can 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 look at it. We do not have to release people. Okay? So if if somebody has a legitimate asylum claim, what's wrong with holding them in custody pending their 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 proceeding? There's nothing wrong with that. Okay? We recognize that there are there are asylum issues, but what we're not going to do is we're not going to open up the floodgates by releasing you, because that then draws everybody, and that is the magnet that causes people to cross our borders illegally. It's also the magnet that allows the cartels to go throughout the world and advertise their services. It's our policies that are allowing the cartels to generate the record profit that they're generating right now. How did you get into this?
1: Into the Border yes. Patrol? So, what made you interested in doing that?
0: I was always interested in law enforcement. Um, uh, my father's a, a retired lieutenant colonel with the with the military. And when I was in um, when I was going to college, he recommended that I look at the Border Patrol. Um, he was doing a, a Joint Task Force Six with the Border Patrol as a military officer, and uh, he recommended that I got that I looked into it. I looked into it, and said, "Hey, yeah, something I want to do." You know, and, and what's funny about that, so being in the military, I, I moved around my entire life, Korea, um, Texas, uh, Kansas, Alabama moved around my entire life. Uh, but I did graduate, um, here in Arizona. I spent the last three years of, of high school here in Arizona. Um, and I lived in what is considered a border community. I didn't even know that border patrol existed. Uh, you know, back, back in 1992, back in, uh, you know, 90 91 92 when i was here in arizona there wasn't uh, an illegal immigration issue and so i didn't even know that the border patrol existed and i lived only 50 miles from the border um so yeah i I found out about the border patrol through my through my father and said yeah that looks like a good looks like something
1: i'd want want to do can you talk about the treatment that the the cartel uses i mean you talked a little bit about it to the people that they're actually shipping over not just the people who they're you know, leaving for debt but the actual movement of people
0: yes and this is another one of those those areas that's that's so very frustrating to every single one of us um when we take people into custody you can see it uh they, they exhibit all of the signs of having been um sexually assaulted uh physically assaulted you know beaten up um extorted uh Having more money taken than what they originally thought the contract was going to be, we see this all the time, and and it's it's absolutely heartbreaking. Um, I remember you know back in the uh, at the height of of President Obama and when we were dealing with so many unaccompanied children, it was our agents that were bringing in formula. It was our agents that were bringing in diapers, toys. Um, you know agents regularly, regularly will will stop at. It, when we have people in custody, you can see that they're so hungry, we'll stop and buy food for them. Um, because the cartels do not care about them. All they care about is making the money. They also know that they can, they can do anything that they want to these people um, with impunity, whether that's uh, um, sexual assault, I, I, let's call it what it is, rape. Um, you know, People are also murdered on a regular basis by these cartels if they don't pay or if they fight back. And so, again, it's just, it's so, it's so disappointing and and, and that is not a strong enough word, but it is so disappointing knowing that these people that will not, are not willing to shut down the border that are advocating all of this, that they're the ones that are encouraging all of this violence against these, these immigrants. Um, and, and and they don't care. Even, even the people that claim that, oh, my gosh, you know, we have to have open borders because of these poor people that, that want to escape poverty or whatever they want to escape. And yet they're the ones, it's their policies that are driving these people into the hands of the cartels to get raped, murdered, um, assaulted, all of those things. And they know it. And they know it. But because it shutting down the border wouldn't fit their narrative, they don't care. They're willing to forego the human, again, it's 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 that's one of those things that's very difficult to talk about. Um, we've all seen it. We've all seen it in the face of these of these women, of these children. Um, we've all had to hear the stories of it, and and knowing that policy would stop that, and these people that claim to care about people aren't willing to give the policy. That's it's it's disgusting to every
1: single one of us. When you talk to the people who you're picking up, why do they say that they're coming? Just generally speaking, jobs,
0: jobs, e-e- economic reasons. The 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 vast majority. Every now and then, you'll you'll get an honest person saying, "Well, you guys out for too many free social benefits, coming for free social benefits." I mean, you know, if if anybody does not believe that the law that California just put in place. For free healthcare for people that are in the country illegally, if they don't think that that's going to drive up illegal immigration, they're stupid. Of course it's going to drive up. That's the magnets. It's our social benefits. There's a reason people aren't going to Canada. I mean, come on, Canada's a beautiful country. I worked for eight years on the northern border um, in Maine and Montana. Um, Canada's a beautiful country. They're not going to Canada. Know why? Because Canada, Guards their jobs like there's no tomorrow. I, I, jobs in Canada are sacred. Um, social services are sacred in Canada. We we just give them out freely here, and that's why that's why these people aren't going to Canada. If they were truly fleeing because they feared um, persecution, they wouldn't care what con- they wouldn't care what safe country it is that they go to. But they're not. They're not going to Costa Rica in mass. They're not going to some of the other safer countries, Chile in uh, in South America, Argentina in South America. Um, they're not going to the other safe countries um, that exist around the world. They're coming to the United States. They're not going to Canada. And they're coming here because of everything that we offer to even those that are here in the country illegally.
1: Are they telling you openly that they're coming because Absolutely. Biden versus Trump? Absolutely.
0: I, I mean. Uh, you know, it's, it's obviously I, I, I have good relationship with an awful lot of people in Fox. Um, uh, you know, and, and, and I talk with a lot of them and I've encouraged them to ask certain questions and they have. And we've, we've, we've seen it on TV. Um, Bill Malusion has done a great job of asking people, Hey, why are you coming here? And they'll say, because Biden is allowing me to come. I, yeah, they'll, you know, and, and, and Ben, what's, <laughs> What's so funny about that is that person right there should have been prosecuted for entry without inspection. But that person's not going to be prosecuted. And the person knows it. They they know that they're free to tell tell us why they're coming. They know that there's not going to be any consequence for it. All they know is that they just have to give us that buzzword. I'm scared to go back to my country. I'm, I'm sorry, buzz phrase. All they have to do is give us that that buzz race. I'm scared to go back to my country, and then then they're and then they're in the process.
1: It's <laughs> insane. So, the, this administration keeps saying over and over that the only way to stop all of this is to cure domestic problems in El Salvador, in Guatemala, and the Northern Triangle countries. Uh, I and mean, number one, good luck with that. But <laughs> Kamala Harris doesn't seem like she's equipped to do that or many other things. Um, but. What what do you make of that critique? So we're not
0: equipped. It it doesn't matter.
1: Trump's not equipped to
0: do that. Reagan, you know, I love Reagan. Reagan wouldn't have been equipped. We can't control what other governments do. Um, These are very, very corrupt governments. El Salvador, Honduras, Guatemala, Mexico. We're talking very, very corrupt governments. If we were to give money to them, it's not like that money is going, going to go back into their economy to build up the infrastructure. That money is just going to go in their pockets. Um, so there, we can't control what happens in other countries. We can control what happens here. And that's what, what our focus has to be. It has to be right here. We know that this irregular migration, this is, this is a, a buzz phrase that this administration made up. We've never heard the, the, the phrase irregular migration until this administration. You can look at, minus Ukraine, minus what's happening in Ukraine right now, and we do, we do apprehend a lot of people from Ukraine, um, but if you look at um, Venezuela, Colombia, Cuba, Haiti, um, if you look at uh, uh, El Salvador, Guatemala, if you look at these countries, um, even the, the African nations um, that we're seeing so much more of, um, China, um, the economic situations um, have largely remained the same. Um, the political turmoil has largely remained the same. The corruption has largely remained the same. So if that's the case, why then is it just now mm-hmm. that we're seeing this flood? Okay, It's because of our policies. It's our policies that is driving um, this irregular migration. It's not what's happening in El Salvador because what's been happening in El Salvador today has been happening in El Salvador basically since I've been in the, in the border patrol. Uh, you know, a few changes here and there, but nothing um, to cause that. Uh, Venezuela, yeah, I, I will admit that Venezuela um, has seen a big change, but that didn't happen under Biden. That happened well before Biden. Um, yet we didn't see masses of Venezuelans coming Um, to the United States under under President Trump. So you you have to look at that. And so for for regular migration to, I'm sorry, for irregular migration to be a true phrase, there has to be at least, at least three conditions that exist. Some major change would have had to have happened in those countries that would have caused so much turmoil. And again, it it just hasn't, not in every single one of these countries. no policy could have changed here in the United States from administration to administration. Um, ah, dadgummit. And if they're true asylum seekers, they would be going to countries that would offer them safety, not just the United States. But none of those three exist. None of those three exist. So this, this idea of irregular migration, all that is is, is just a buzz phrase that allows the media to give the, the mainstream media to give coverage um, uh, for this administration for what they're doing.
1: So there's been a lot of talk about Alejandro Mayorkas and DHS. Where do you put the responsibility with Mayorkas with Biden himself? Because I know that the, obviously House Republicans are talking about possibility of impeaching Mayorkas. It seems like that's not going to solve the problem because Biden's no. just going to replace him with the it, next guy. It,
0: it, exactly, but but there still has to be accountability. Um, you know, if, if Mayorkas can't get the job done, then he has to be held accountable. I personally know that Mayorkas has tried to get the administration to implement the proper policies, um, but they haven't implemented the policies, so it does fall on him. It doesn't matter what your intentions are. What matters is what you're able to accomplish, and Mayorkas has not been able to accomplish anything, and therefore, he should be held accountable for this. And if that's if, if they can find high crimes and misdemeanors, um, that he's committed, he should be impeached. Um, but you can't give just because um, he works for Biden. You can't give him a pass and say, well, everything falls on Biden. It does fall on Biden, but Mayorkas is a piece of that cog. And so that ha- those people have to be held responsible for what we're seeing.
1: Um, so what's the differentiation of responsibility between CBP and ICE? So. CBP is an agency within DHS. ICE is an agency within DHS. Uh,
0: let me see. So let's use the Department of Justice as, as an example. So the Department of Justice has the FBI. The Department of Justice has ATF. Um, the Department of Justice has other, other agencies. That's the same, same way. So, so look at, look under DH, uh, look under DHS, um, CBP as being the FBI and ICE being the, um, Uh, ATF um, or DEA, you know, that's all we are. We're an agency under the Department of Homeland Security, similar to agencies that are under the Department of Justice. Um, CBP has the responsibility of what happens on the border. That's our responsibility. Um, CBP CBP has the responsibility of all, if you will, ports of entry. So even airports, um, that is, that's the first destination, that's a port of entry, so CBP would have authority at the, uh, at the airports, international airports as well. So CBP has the authority of all ports of entry and the border, that's their authority. Um, ICE's authority is more throughout the entire United States. Um, so you have Homeland Security Investigations. So within CBP, you have other sub-entities, um, you have the Border Patrol, OFO, AMO, and under ICE, you have ERO um, and HSI, Home, Homeland Security Investigations. So Homeland Security Investigations operates throughout the entire United States, whereas CBP operates basically on the border or the functional equivalent of the border.
1: So when you talk about the cartel smuggling people over, and let's say you catch somebody out in the open. What happens to the cartel members, as opposed to the the people who are attempting to to claim asylum? Do so they just pretend that they're a member of the group. Yes,
0: or? that's exactly what they do. So what they'll do is they'll blend in. So it, it used to be, uh, again, back in the <laughs> way back when, um, if if I was if I was the agent that was getting ready to apprehend a group, let, let's say that we had a group on camera. Okay, um, those those towers that I showed you that have those cameras. Let's say that we had a camera that was watching a group. Well, that camera, the operator of that camera is going to be um, working with me on the radio telling me, hey, this is where you need to go. This is the position that you need to get in. This is where they're headed. This is what trail they're on. Um, they're going to be giving me as much information as, as, as they can. It's my job to get in a position to intercept that group. Um, and it used to be that whoever was leading that group was the smuggler. Um, now what happens is is the smugglers will mix inside the group. They'll be the third person, the fourth person, and they'll just tell the the person in front where you're going to go. So most of these groups, what they'll do is is, is they go in a single file line. Mm-hmm. Um, should have explained that first. So these groups, as they're working up their trails, they're they're generally in a single file line. And it used to be that the smuggler was always the first person in the group, and there there would be multiple smugglers, but first person, and last person. Would be the person that we would uh, we, we would go after and try to identify as the smugglers. Um, now what they've done because we we were so effective in doing that, so now what they do is they just mix in with the group and then just tell the group where to go. And,
1: and so, so if they have a weapon on them, they just ditch the weapon. Then yes. you guys yes. drive up.
0: Yep. 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 They'll they'll ditch cell phones. They'll 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 ditch any identifier.
1: So we're literally um, asyluming into the country just people who work for the drug cartels.
0: Oh, I'm sorry. Say that again. We're just
1: asyluming into the country yes. people who, who well, work for the drug cartels. Well, I mean, yeah. Or at least catch and release yes, it.
0: Yes, they'll they'll. Well, so so the the smugglers of these people that are crossing that are just given up, the smugglers yeah. won't cross with them. Mm-hmm. These are the these are the ones that are trying to evade apprehension. What I just gave you right. is, is the ones. So the smugglers, what they'll do is they'll bring them. So so where we're going, there is no infrastructure on the south side of the border. There is no large um, town, city, or anything on that side of the border. So what the smugglers will do is they will drive them out to what we call the drop-off place. They will walk them to the border and they will tell them, go right there, and those are the people that you need to tell that you that you fear going back to your country. And that's what the, that's what they lose. So they don't actually cross into the <laughs> United States. Where they cross into the United States are the ones that are trying to evade apprehension. Those that are trying to get away. Those are the ones that that, that, that they come. But even those groups even if you're trying to evade apprehension those groups know that it, if they say once the same we catch thing them, yes they then say asylum i'm scared to go back to my country and even though they were trying to evade apprehension we still have to treat them the same so yes those smugglers will also say the same thing but then what they'll do is once they're released they'll just go back into mexico mm-hmm. and bring up another group
1: given the situation what's the response time if somebody is evading capture and you get a call what's the response time to even get somebody over there now
0: it, it It really depends on where we're at. Um, It also depends on how many how many people we're dealing with at that specific time. So right now, um, there's a lot of times that we can't even respond. So even if um, the cameras or a ground sensor um, goes off, we can't even get anybody there. Um, But generally speaking, just it really there's so many factors that will depend on what the response time is, how what's the closest agent, um, um, you know, where is the crossing taking place, what is the terrain like, what is the, the road when, you know, right now we've been on pavement the entire time. Well, we're going to get off pavement, and you're going to see just how difficult that is, and, and you'll see how long it would take um, to drive to any given location um, based upon the roads that we have. So when we talk about uh, technology, infrastructure, Different things like that. One of the things that we just have not done is if we would grade roads along the border mm-hmm. that would give us better access. It would be a lot easier for us. We just haven't done that. We we become enamored with and and look, your your listeners, your viewers aren't dumb. Um, they know how our government is. They they know how government contracts work. Um, there's no money in grading roads but there's an awful lot of money in selling drones to the government. There's an awful lot of money in selling cameras to the government, ground sensors to the government. There's an awful lot of money in that. There's no money in grading roads. <laughs> um, and so you just don't get that big push, even though that would be, you know, some of the, you, you hear walls, walls um, are, are medieval, um, you know, uh, whatever century um, um, technology. Walls are insanely effective for people that are trying to evade apprehension. Mm-hmm. Insanely effective. Um, they are so good. They don't do anything for, for asylum, as we talked about, but they are so good at allowing us to determine well where illegal border crossings take place. Those walls, yes, somebody can climb over it, but you can't get a group of 20 mm-hmm. over that wall mm-hmm. in enough time for us to get there. Um, You can't get a group of 50, a group of 100 over that wall. You can get ones or twos, which is very easy for us to deal with. It's much more difficult for us to deal with large groups. And so when we have walls, we then get to dictate where large groups, uh, where where the, the crossings of large groups take place. And if we can dictate that, we become a lot more effective. That's why those walls are so effective. Not for asylum, but for people that are actually trying to evade apprehension. Those walls are insanely good.
1: So, so does Border Patrol have the ability to police this area when it comes to when it comes to? We
0: do, we do. So, okay. so because because the federal government has the right um, uh, to control illegal immigration, we do have the right to to come on the reservations um, and any U.S. citizen can come on this road right here. This is a marked road. Mm-hmm. Um, it's once you get off of the Got regular beaten path. But what we don't, what we can't do, so like. On the reservation, there are no walls. On the reservation, that we can't do. We can't build right. because because the reservation is theoretically a sovereign I mean, a nation. Right, um, um, we can't build walls. So so out here, uh, until we get off of the reservation, there are no walls.
1: One of the things that I was noticing is I was looking at, at the website for you guys today talking about the the number of border encounters month on month which is just insane since Biden took office and it was 300,000 in December apparently but when what I was noticing is that the seasonal variance is just not even remotely what it was I mean it, it used to be I would assume that during the summer when it's really high you would get a lot of seasonal people like okay well that's not the best time to go I'm going to go another time
0: actually actually it's it's the exact opposite okay believe it or, believe it or not believe it or not I know that now they know it's that, convenient so it doesn't sense, matter you can just do. common sense says that they would cross in, in, in the cooler months but if you go back if you go back historically to the Bush administration it was always the summer months that that were that were the, the the busier months because people were going back so what we saw is we saw a lot of people that were coming into the United States working for a few months and then going back to their home country in the the holiday months. So during the winter months, they would go back because Christmas, New Year's and that and then they would stay and then they would come back to the United States in the uh, in the um, a- after that that season was over. Um, but yeah, that's that's completely changed there. There are no seasonal months anymore. Everything is basically the same. Um, but yeah, December historically was one of our slowest months um, historically. Now it's every month is just just insanely busy. But just just to give you an example, um, and, and and to to illustrate how bad the numbers are. In a in a regular month of any other administration, if we apprehended forty thousand people in a month, that was a lot. That was a lot. We're up to, and and that's the Border Patrol. So this 300,000, that's CBP as a whole. That includes OFO and the Border Patrol. Um, The Border Patrol in in, uh, December, we accounted for 250,000 of those 300,000 apprehensions. So if the Border Patrol had 40,000 apprehensions, that was a lot. That was a busy month. We're up to 250,000. Apprehensions, but again, the reason why that's important, the reason why numbers are important, is because it tells you how much control the cartels have. It tells you how much of our resources are being pulled out of the field and how much of the border are the cartels now able to control because they're they're just crushing us with sheer mass numbers. Um, that's why those numbers are that's why the numbers are important. But they're also important to illustrate how many people are getting released into the United States as well.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. When you make estimates on godaways how do how do you do that
0: So we we don't estimate we, when I tell you that that we that, that we have 1000 godaways that's what we actually detect oh my god um there so is there, there's way more than that Oh oh tons more tons more tons more um so we count what we actually detect so whether that's a camera whether that's a ground sensor whether that's a drone um we count what we see and detect there are so many more
1: that we don't. Yeah. See how much? Detect. How much border coverage do those resources provide no, to, no, for detection like, on a percentage basis well, of the border? It, it,
0: it's 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 not so much. So we have resources across the entire border. It's do we have the personnel to operate those resources to see everything that's going on? So on those camera towers, you can count how many um, cameras are on those towers, and there's going to be four on those uh, on on those towers. Um, but if you only have one agent operating five towers now you have one agent operating 20 cameras how are they going to be effective in operating those 20 cameras um, whereas you really need to, to truly be effective you need one agent per four cameras one agent per per pole well we don't have that we
1: can't so you mentioned earlier five million people have come in the country that that is not including the gotaways. Correct? Yes,
0: that is that is what Biden. That is what we have taken into custody and have released. So there's so probably t- another
1: million gotaways. There.
0: Oh, there, there's 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 a minimum. So so since since Biden has been in office, that we know of, that we have detected, we've detected more than a million. That we've detected. So you
1: uh, again. Add on top of that the unknown. So and, you're probably talking seven million people have entered the country since he... Since oh, a,
0: a minimum, a minimum. If, if if you were, if you were to ask me, so, based upon my 25 year experience, if you ask any one of these agents that are out here patrolling, um, they'll tell you that we detect, we probably detect about 60% of what's, of what's crossed. So if we detect 60, you know, if we detect 60% of the gotaways, there's been another, you know, um, another Million that that have gotten away that we haven't detected
1: in three and a half years. Yes, like the entire Trump administration. Yes, not including godways like 1.6 million. Mm-hmm. Yep,
0: and 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 that's also very different. So you can't even compare the Biden administration to the Trump administration. The reason is, is because under the Trump administration, we were catching the same person over and mm-hmm. over and over again. So so when we when we uh, under the Biden administration, if we catch three hundred thousand people, it's three hundred
1: thousand. It's three hundred
0: thousand different people. Right. Under Trump, if we caught ninety thousand people, it was probably thirty thousand different people. Wow. We just caught that person over and over and over again. So yeah, it's it's apples to oranges comparing um, what what took place. So you'll hear a lot of people. You'll you'll hear a lot of people say, "Well, well, look at." Look at May and June of, of 2019. You know, Trump had a hundred thousand apprehensions. Well, yeah, yeah, we did. We did. But, but that hundred thousand people was actually just thirty thousand different people.
1: Whereas Biden, it's three hundred thousand different people. So if you could make one single executive action the most important one, what is the single most important executive action?
0: I would reimplement remain in Mexico. And if, the, if the U.S. population didn't have the stomach for remaining in Mexico, I would implement holding people in custody pending their, their deportation or asylum proceedings. Now, the pushback on that is gonna be, well, we don't have the resources to hold that many people. You don't have to. Because the moment you start holding people, they will stop coming. So, uh, you know, this, this whole pushback of, well, where are you gonna find detention facilities to hold 300,000 people per month? Well, you don't have to. We have the the detention facilities that we need because once you start start holding them, they will stop coming. That's been proven. That's been proven time and time and time again. That's the policy. That's where where it comes down to policy. Don't throw money at it. Um, Have the policy, have the policy, and then once you have the policy, then evaluate do we need more money? But if you just throw money at it, now you're just wasting taxpayer dollars. Give the policy, then come back and evaluate
1: Okay, so take me through like a day in the life of what you do every day.
0: Do you want a day in the life right now, or do you want a day in the life in a normal administration? I'm give me both. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> um, oh, heavens. It's, it's so different now uh, because there's so, so many. L- let me start in, in what would have happened under a normal administration. So, and I'm sorry, Miami-Dade Police, right? Yep. Did you guys, before you received your daily assignments, did you guys have a muster or a a pre-shift briefing? Did you guys do that? Every day. Okay, a roll call. You guys call it a roll call. We call it a muster. So what happens is, is Border Patrol agents will show up to their assigned station and we'll meet in a briefing room and we'll get a briefing of what just took place on the shift before us and then we'll receive our assignments. Um, you're gonna go to this area, you're gonna go to this area and so on and so forth. And then we would go out to that area. While we're in that area, um, what we're gonna do is we're gonna drive along the road and we're gonna look for, we're going to try to, with, without using cameras, without using the, the, the various infrastructure, we're going to try to detect those that the cameras might have missed. So we're gonna look at the, on, on, the, on the dirt roads and we're gonna look for footprints. Um, or any other disturbance, because what, we'll, what you see now is those are trying to get away. They'll wear, they'll wear carpet shoes um, because that doesn't disturb the ground as much, um, but it still causes a disturbance. So what we'll look for is we'll drive um, down the dirt roads, the border roads, and we'll look for disturbances in, uh, in the ground. If we find a disturbance, we'll try to, to, to identify what that disturbance is. Um, and then what we'll do is we'll actually just park our vehicle right there. We'll get out of our vehicle on foot and we'll start what we call pushing the group. We'll, we'll, we'll start tracking the, the what we call sign, the footprints in, in the dirt. And while we're doing that, we'll be radio ahead. We'll be radioing back to the control room and saying, Hey, cameras, I got a group in this area. Can you start panning around? looking for that group and then we'll also communicate with other agents and try to get another other another agent up ahead of us and we'll, we'll look for specific landmarks um the, you know the group is headed towards you know whatever that I, I don't work this area so i don't know what that peak is called mm-hmm. um but if i'm chasing group I, i'll say hey i'm in I'm, I'm right off of this road um i'm headed directly towards that peak and then as i'm pushing them if they if they change location if if they veer to a different location than I'll radio. And, and what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to get another agent ahead of me um, so that they can intercept the group. It's, it's very important that I stay behind the group um, because without staying behind the group, then you can lose it and you can't get the agent ahead of you. Um, so generally speaking, it's not the agent that, what we call again, pushing the group. It's not that agent that's gonna make the apprehension. They're not gonna be the, the one that arrests. It's gonna be that agent that's ahead of them, but it's gonna be that agent that's behind the group that is able to get that other agent up uh, up ahead, and so that's that was our bread and butter.
1: Uh, and I you're doing
0: got... most of that on foot. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh now now if if there if if there was a way that I could get you know like I can't drive right, so the reservation I can't drive across the reservation, but public lands yeah I can drive across public lands. Um, if there's public lands, what I'll what I'll do is I'll just roll down my window, stick my head out the window, and follow the as I as I'm as I'm driving on public lands. Um, but like out here, you can't do that out here. You can't do that on private land. (laughs) Um, and so, yeah, you have to get out on foot and you have to push them on foot. But then also when you're in the mountains, um, and we chase a lot of people through the mountains, I mean, in the mountains, you obviously can't drive that. You have to, you have to do all of that on foot. Um, and you're still trying to get people up, um, up ahead of you to, to intercept the group. Um, but that, that really, I mean, it was, it was an immensely enjoyable job.
1: righty, folks, we reached the end of today's show. We'll be back here tomorrow with much more. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First,